And if you love your scarf and you never ever questioned why you're wearing it, maybe just ask yourself the question about what does it do for you? And that's not to say to make you take off your scarf, but to make you really appreciate really and affirm your belief. Yeah. Your belief. And the next time someone asks you, why do you wear a scarf? You'll have a, good a really personal. Yeah. and Because it is personal. Yeah, a relatable answer yeah. to give back to them rather than it's about men, which, you know, it's, it's yeah. not. Welcome to the Brown Don't Frown podcast with your host, Tanya Hardcastle. We're here to engage in a thoroughly inclusive conversation with women from different backgrounds. Shaped by our cultural, racial and social experiences, we share our stories. Hello, fellow podcast listeners. Welcome to the show. I'm joined here today by the wonderful Adila Bilal. Thank you for joining thank you. us. <laughs> wonderful, thank you. <laughs> um, so today's topic is My Hijab and Me. And as you can probably guess from the title, it's about Adila's experience of wearing the hijab uh, and how she feels in it. Because I think one reason for me wanting to do an episode like this is to shed light on the diversity among women. And because I don't think there is enough awareness of the symbolism it creates and nurtures for women of faith and it is often really really misconceived amongst white women and non-muslim women let's take it away adila do you want to start off telling us a bit more about yourself sure um so my i'll start with my heritage cultural background so to speak yes so my mum's family are jamaican and my dad's family from barbados um both born and raised in London, um, East London girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't feel as connected to my Caribbean culture. I feel there's a bit of distance there, but probably because my, well, my mum was also born in the UK. My dad's been here for so long that there's less of a, a connection there. I kind of feel maybe a stronger connection to my islamic identity because i feel that that's been a more stronger and consistent thread through my life but the question that i get from a lot of people is oh you're jamaican how are you muslim yeah that's the question i had when i first met you and how we met is is quite interesting we met on we were both on our year abroad in france we were doing our third year in grenoble and we met each other at the freshers fair a particularly defining moment that i remember which maybe cemented our friendship, was this uh, time when we went to the Freshers' Fair and you wanted to sign up to the karate club and I thought, mm-hmm. let's do it. So we were queuing up, you explained you wanted to do it and the woman who was, was the instructor turned around and said, oh, I don't really think this is for you. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I do. It feels so Such long, long time ago, ago now. But it, it was something that I was looking forward to. Yeah. Um, and... I think sometimes going to another country where you're not speaking your first language yeah. and you're struggling to integrate and to meet people. Yeah. Looking forward to something that can unite you and where, you know, you have something in common was really exciting to me. So I thought I'll do karate. I used to do it when I was younger. It would be a great way to get involved, to yeah. meet people, to have great experiences, travel around, go to competitions and all that sort of thing. And so I've gone up to this lady, really running to the hall, excited. Oh, yeah, there's karate. I've, I've yeah, got to do that. I remember. You're very enthusiastic about it. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> and then I was like, um, okay, how do I sign up? And she goes, well, it's on this day at this time, but I don't know if you'll be able to make it. And I said, well, no, no, it's fine. And she said, well, I'm guessing you, because you're 
from England, you would want to learn French, but we speak in Japanese in the karate club, so this wouldn't be good for you to practice French. Did you actually say that? I don't remember yeah, that bit. That's she, so specific. What detail she went into. Like, how do you know that I want to speak? Yeah. I, I don't really care what language we speak. It's a, more about learning, the learning and the connection between your clubmates. Exactly. And then she said, well, you know, maybe you want to go to another one because I don't think this one's for you. I was like, well, you, you don't know me. You don't know what's yeah. for me. You don't, you don't know, know what I'm looking for. And it was completely different from my experience in the UK at the University of Kent going to Russia's Fair. And I'm guessing from other universities where, you know, people are reaching out to you and they want, they want, to, to, join they want you to join exactly. in. They're they so that. excited to see um, people, new students and sort of initiate them into their sports. And that was like a really different vibe. I didn't get anyone coming up to me, anyone asking me anything, inviting me to join. But the fact that she made the comment that that is this is won't be for you or you wouldn't like this or I I just I think I nodded as like, um yeah, okay, all right, thank you. Yeah, and do you think there were there were two aspects to that? Not just based on the fact that you're black but also because you're wearing the hijab, or do you think it was could it have been both? I mean, when it actually happened, mm. I didn't notice it. I, I found it a bit weird, but yeah. I was like, oh, I know the days I'm still going to rock up. I didn't either until afterwards when I, when I let it sort of sink yeah. in. Yeah, I was like, well, why, why, her, hold on a second, why would she be so negative about this? If someone wants to join up, why would you resist? And obviously before I went to France, I'd heard a lot about... Racism. Yeah, subtle race, racism as well against because they're very anti-Muslim in terms of the veil. They don't like to. Well, it isn't technically, legally speaking, racism because it's not against my race, so to speak. But it's just a, a discrimination, yeah. and it's a, against the scarf. And so, even though it manifests in a very aggressive and hurtful and traumatic way, in, in the way that racism does, they're like, well, no, we're not racist. Yeah, we're just, they always have that defence. Um, yeah. We prefer, well, French, and we prefer not to. Yeah. And that's obviously not all French people. They'll just hide it under the guise of secularism. They'll exactly. be like, oh, we just want it to be secular in the education. Yeah. But um, so I, I was aware that France is a secular country, but in a very, I don't know how to describe it, I find it very extreme compared to other countries' interpretations and practices of secular secularism. I think it's quite ironic as well because they want us to integrate. Mm-hmm. And when you've made the effort to learn karate, they sort of turn you away. So it's just like, well, where do I stand then? Exactly. So, yeah, upon reflection, it was um, it was definitely extremely... I found it insulting. Yeah, I found yeah, yeah. it completely bizarre. And it was only about talking to you after and going breaking it down. I was like, but what? It must be because of my scar, because I don't want me to participate. So, again, being... I think. Yeah, I was resilient. I was really, I was like, you no, really that's resilient. fine. I'll join it. Yeah, and you still that. did other things as well. It didn't stop you. It didn't hinder you. And that's what I really admire about you, the fact that you are so resilient. And, but, you know, you just take everything with a pinch of salt. Really. Kind of. <laughs> Not always. When I joined, I went to the outside club. Um, so it wasn't part of the university. Right. It was just, I saw a flyer line around. What was it for? It. it was karate again. Right. Oh, this is a sign. That's fine. I, want, I don't have to do karate with the, this, this university. They don't want me. I'll go somewhere else. And I remember rocking up to the club. I was so excited. I had my sports clothes on. And I had my scarf like wrapped fully around my head and my neck. And I went in there. And I was looking for the sensei, the teacher. And um, this man finally comes up to me after like, standing there like an idiot for five minutes 
<laughs> and you know, excitement starts to fade, and you're like, okay, this might be like it was before. Really? And I was right. like, oh, I used to do karate before, I'm at Brown Belt, I'm really excited to join in. And he said, yes, well, um, not with that. Not with that, as in the sky. And he wasn't even really pointing, he, he was, was just sort like, of, I should know what that know, is. Right. And he says, he says um, that's forbidden. It's <laughs> that's, forbidden. It's forbidden. That's not, not allowed. And then... Was this I was all in French? Yeah. I, I mean, if you hear it, if I was to say it in French, it would be so much funnier. But anyway, he, he says, oh, but it's not me. It's the association. <laughs> the, whoever the karate is. Oh, right. So he's blaming it on someone else, passing it on Yeah, and else. he was telling me it's health and safety. And I still didn't realise he was talking about my headscarf at this point. So what do you think he was talking about? Like? I was still just trying to follow him. Like, what's not allowed? And then I was like, oh, it came to me later. And I think that's how much I don't you think don't about register. Yeah, and I think that's a good a thing. Because as soon as you start acknowledging stuff like, oh, I'm different, you start thinking, oh, maybe I don't belong here. And then you like stop yourself from trying new things. Exactly. But I just sort of said to him, um, oh, don't worry, I'm not going to wear my scarf like this. I'm going to tie it back into a bandana. And reassure him. And he goes, no, but even for the little girls, we don't let them wear headbands. And I, I, I said to him, oh, but I've done national and international competitions wearing my scarf. How much did you have to prove yourself to him and for him to still turn around and be like, no? Yeah. So anyway, I said, you know what? I understand. And I was nodding and I completely did. But as soon as I left the gym, I just burst into tears. Did you? Yeah. I just started Because that was the second time that happened. Yeah. It really hit me. And I was like, wow, this is how it feels to be isolated, to be pushed aside and to be... It's very dramatic, but ostracised, essentially. Basically, yeah. And um, being in a new country as well. Being in a new country. And I think I had put... Uh, I had sort of hyped myself up as well and sort of thought, oh, this is going to be it. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to have an opportunity so to yeah. do something I, I really enjoy and meet new people. And um, it'll be a really defining experience of my year abroad. And after failing... Twice. Twice. It was like, whoa. Did you give it a go a third time then? No. You did ski though. You did go skiing. <laughs> because I had to wear a helmet. Everyone else did. So we were all covered. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a huge thing for me. I just sort of walked around the city crying for about That's an hour. So I'm really sorry you had to go through that because I didn't know about that part. It's completely different to growing up in London because you never had that. It's completely different. I mean... Did you ever experience... No, I think... Any sort of discrimination because of your headscarf? I can remember being really young at school and um, a boy pulling my scarf off. But this was in, like, 1999. <laughs> I think it's it it years ago, and I think it was more of a childish thing. Of, yeah, probably. Just You've got something weird in your head, no one else does. Let's just pull it off and see what happens. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and the head teacher, who was actually um, a priest was able to explain to him about different faiths and cultures. Oh, wow, and that's really cool. And yeah. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. So that, but growing up in quite a multicultural environment, I'm guessing? I mean, did. at that time where I was, it was... Was it quite... I was the only person wearing a headscarf, and it was... Whereabouts in London was it? This was in Hawks and Shoreditch area. Okay. Very different from how it is okay. now. And I just guess from a demographics perspective, perspective, it wasn't, you didn't see people in scarves, especially children mm. in scarves. It's very new and it's very unlike what schools in Hackney might be like now. 
But I remember having that experience growing up. I didn't notice it. I didn't think about wearing a scarf. It just felt very natural and normal. And then 7-7 happened. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so it wasn't... I didn't I didn't even notice anything post 9-11, but I was so young at the time that, like, I don't think that I would have been the target of abuse or would have even received and acknowledged that. But after 7-7, I remember taking the bus and going places and having... Um, my rucksack with my, my school supplies not even check but just people not Staring wanting to sit next you. to you on the bus really? oh my um, if like, I remember even make, consciously moving and moving my stuff to accommodate other people um, on the train and they're just Islam is that something you grew up with yeah for sure um, my parents but it's an interesting dynamic yeah they converted right so my extended family are Christians. Okay. Um, and it's my immediate family who are Muslims. It's, I mean, that dynamic has always been with me forever, so it doesn't feel weird or bizarre. Or... And why did they decide to convert? Um, I think they were just in a point in their life where they were looking for change, just discover, discovering upon, upon it, and mm. that made sense to them. But it's, so you were sort of born into it? I was, they were yeah, I was born into it. They were already converted when I was born. So yeah. it, it was just life. Um, it's very normal to me. And I think some people find it weird when you're like, oh, you're from the Caribbean and you're Muslim. Yeah, I like, found it, yeah, because when you mentioned it to me yeah. before. But when it, you explained the converted thing, I thought, oh, well, it that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. But for me, it's no different from anyone from Asia or Africa or whatever who's born Muslim yeah, it's, exactly. that's the religion I know I've seen these practices I've seen people putting their heads on the ground praying and fasting and all of that stuff it just is part of everyday life yeah when did you start wearing the hijab really really young um, was that your choice or did you feel like it was the right thing to do yeah I, I always think about when you're young whether <laughs> to make sense of things your choice yeah no but um it was something I used to always wear a hat and when I started nursery the teacher was like you need to take your hat off because you're why did you wear a hat <laughs> <laughs> you just like wearing hats yeah and I just felt embarrassed and my a friend of my mum's was like well why don't you get her a little girl's scarf when the oh, just pull on that's how it all started that's how it started so I used to just wear my little scarf <laughs> to school did anyone say anything no and the teachers were like well look that's fine, fine I yeah. probably say anything I guess and so I just always had this around me and I looked like my mom and I liked it and I, I felt liked it. comfortable and good in it and it just didn't mean anything from a spiritual perspective it was just something that I felt comfortable doing and then as I got older yeah it was like well I'm already wearing it and at the age when a lot of girls start to think about wearing a scarf I was already doing it so it felt to me like I'm just going to continue I'm going to continue doing it but I it does you definitely get to a point in your life where you make a conscious choice that okay I understand what this thing is it means a lot more to me and I want to continue and even on BBC3 they recently did a program and there was this dialogue between this white woman and this hijabi woman and the white woman was just saying why don't you just take it off because you'd be so much more liberated like why do you wear it there's no need for you to wear it what Mm. are you scared of Mm. and the woman turned around and said well I want to wear it because I want to wear it I've never been forced my parents haven't forced me I want to wear this Mm -hmm. it empowers me it makes me uh, feel a stronger connection with my faith and that's why Mm -hmm. I wear it and that concept seemed so alien to that woman Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think people just don't understand it even I myself sometimes have issues understanding it because I remember my nanny 
um, I think this was when I was in my late teens, she said to me, you should consider wearing a headscarf. But she didn't say like a full-blown hijab. Yeah. She just said, wear something just over your head. And in, in Bengali culture, a lot of women in Bangladesh, they'll just wear it just like loosely around their head because yeah. it's like a cultural thing. It just preserves your modesty. Mm-hmm. And it's that sort of idea. Uh, and I just said, oh, I don't really I don't really fancy wearing it. And it was at the time when my um, cousin, who I was very close to growing up, we, we literally did everything together. She was like my sister. She, at that time, she started wearing it. And so my nanny and other members of my family were like oh why don't you do it as well yeah. it'd be quite nice she's doing it you need to do it yeah and I just I just didn't feel like I, I wanted to do it I just didn't have any sort of interest in it because I was happy you know wearing normal clothes so I, I thought that was quite interesting the fact that I didn't feel the need to wear it and even if I did it would be for re- religious events going to mosque or going uh, for prayers at Eid mm-hmm. more recently I think three or four years ago my cousin said to me why don't you wear the hijab for a day we'll go out in London just tell me just tell oh, me wow. how you feel about it yeah. and I was like yeah fair enough why don't I give yeah. it a go because she was like I just want you to see how you feel in it it's very open and I thought it would be quite interesting yeah. yeah so I went out and we were in two things we went into like central London and I wore the full blown I wore the hijab and I wore the the long burqa as well yeah okay uh, so and, uh, I didn't feel scared or anything I just felt normal. I felt very hot on the tube. <laughs> I think it's like the middle of summer, but it was an interesting experience and it was during Ramadan as well. Whenever it's Ramadan, I think a few years ago, not anymore, but when it was, I'd always feel like a lot more in touch with my spirituality. And I think it's the same for a lot of other people who grew up in mm. the West who want to sort of fit in with the Western ideals, but at the same time want to respect their faith. Yeah. And it's just like that balancing exercise. So that was quite an interesting experience. And I'm mm-hmm. glad I did it because it made me sort of understand her point of view a bit better. Because she was very, very adamant and it was all her choice um, that she wanted to wear the hijab and no one had forced her. And she said she'd had some really interesting experiences wearing the hijab when she sort of went outside of London. She went to study at a university, I think, a bit north of London, just outside the M25. And even there, she said she was racially abused. Uh, And I think she actually quit uni, went to one in more central London. Mm-hmm. so as a direct consequence of yeah she said she had a lot of interesting conversations with with white guys because mm-hmm. they said to her why are you wearing it i don't you don't need to wear it just wear mm-hmm. normal clothes and i asked the same question i just said you know why do you need to wear it? you can still be religious you can still follow god you don't have to wear it she said to me if tanya if tomorrow like all the men in the world died i would still wear the hijab so it's, it's got nothing to do with mm-hmm. how men see me i yeah. want to wear it and that was like a proper defining moment for me and for our, fr- our relationship as well, because I, I sort of saw where she came from. Yeah, I think I, I really relate to that point because it's a lot of women, if you ask them, oh, why do you wear it? And they say, oh, I have to wear it to like protect myself from men or to a lot show of them. And they make it, answer. yeah, they make it about men, men. And I think that's very much a miseducation yeah. about mm. what the hijab means. A lot to do with the patriarchal nature of society, which threads through and runs through... Through all cultures all and all religions. cultures and religions. Yeah. Um, even in Western society. Yeah, even though people 100%. fail to see that. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes it's taught as being a device for protection. Against and, being raped. Yeah, or get against theirs and all those sort of things. But for me, primarily, it's an act of worship and it's brings you closer it's about connection and devotion Mm. um and i think irrespective of whether you think 
wearing a complete full burqa head to toe covered is the right way to cover or whether you wear a bandana or whether you have your hair loose. So it's down to personal choice. I think I, I really respect people who use the hijab as a way to express that connection to God. And I think sometimes you have people who wear the fullest expression of it. Yeah. And with a niqab as well. Yeah, but are maybe really distant from it. Yeah. And I don't want to criticize anyone or tell anyone what to wear or what not to wear, but I know for myself it's where I catch myself in the mirror with it on or when I'm about to leave my house and I put it on, it just is a reminder of my faith. Um so that's what it means to you. Yeah. And it's also simple for other people who right. you see it and recognise me. So whether it's other Muslim people on the street who acknowledge you and give you friendly greetings because they see you wearing it, or for other people who... Um, it, it's just a, a reminder of the type of society we live in where everyone has different views and perspectives and values, but yet we all can live together in this way. For all human beings. For all human beings, <laughs> primarily. Um, but I, I think there's nothing wrong with someone putting piece of cloth around themselves if they think that that's going to make them the best version of themselves themselves that they can possibly be and is that how it makes you feel yeah I mean I'm a very fluid person but when I hold on to my scarf it it just strengthens my connection to the divine a little bit more and it makes me feel more grounded and to remind myself of my values and who I am and what my intentions are yeah and sometimes I think maybe if I didn't have a scarf would I still be the same person would I still be the same way and I don't know I honestly don't know but I don't feel the need to change or do anything differently um and I'm at the age yeah where I'm, I think we're in you know in our 20s that's a defining moment in our lives and I it's either make do, or break yeah really. I can do whatever I want yeah yeah I I'm not under the control I've never been in a very um oppressive household where I've been told <laughs> I don't know how, how to put it where I, I, I you know feared for my life of doing anything that was outside of, of what my parents and wanted. your parents have always been very liberal and accommodating haven't they yeah um They've always wanted me to wear it. They've, they've never not said, said yeah, you don't have to wear it. You don't have to wear it. They've always wanted that and expressed that and how much of a part of the faith it is. But again, it comes to a certain point in your life where you're like, why am I wearing this? Well, primarily, why, I'm, why am I Muslim? Yes. Why do I have this belief? What does it mean to me? And I think every day, really, I interrogate myself in, in terms of why? my connection and why we're doing things and what it means to me and I think every time I pray it's like a question of of connection and re-evaluating myself and so would you say it solidifies your faith when you question yourself? yeah I think it's good to pose questions absolutely and ask yeah. I think when have a critical you, eye for everything and if yeah. you are scared to have a critical eye about the things that you believe in should you be believing should in you? Them? exactly if you have doubts you need to question those um, and it's good to reaffirm and remind yeah, yeah, and reflect yeah. on these things. And actually, I, that's something that Islam tells you to do anyway. And so I'd say for people who think negatively about the scarf, maybe take the time to reflect on how positive it makes someone else feel. And if you love your scarf and you never ever questioned why you're wearing it, maybe just ask yourself the question about what does it do for you? And that's not to say to make you take off your scarf, but to make you really appreciate really and value your belief. Yeah. And your belief. And the next time someone asks you 
why do you wear a scarf? You'll have a, good a really answer. personal yeah. and because it is personal. Yeah, a relatable answer yeah. to give back to them rather than it's about men, which you know it, it's yeah. not. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I mean, there is this really deep sense of ignorance and misconception, even among like some of the most liberal people, including myself, as I explained to you, that women are oppressed by it and sort of compelled to wear it by men. Uh, and there is always that counter argument from Christians and from even atheists and agnostics mm. who say, you know, it's a misogynistic religion that's forced. You don't have free choice. Mm. I mean, what would you how would you respond to that? Maybe you already answered that question just by explaining why you wear it. But um, have you ever been challenged in that way? Or Yeah, I think I have in the very intellectual in, sort of right, discussions okay. and frameworks which I'm actually very happy yeah. to have those discussions because yes. A it makes me think about why I'm doing things <laughs> and reflect which is always very good yes and B it's a way of challenging people's perspectives but in a way in which they're hearing it from a Muslim from a young black Muslim woman um, and it's a way of educating them that we do have voices and we can speak and we can articulate what we want <laughs> and how we feel. And that in, a, in and of itself is, is a lesson to their concepts of the religion being misogynistic and oppressive to women. But the answer that I tend to give is essentially, if you feel that my liberation is not really liberation because I've been indoctrinated and my perspectives are tainted (laughs) and can only be tainted by this patriarchal um, views and insights, I'd say, well, same to you. (laughs) Same to you, exactly, yeah. (laughs) And it almost comes back like in a full circle to what we're talking about with secularism in France. It's the way in, the reason that I am so against how they practice, and I say practice secularism because it feels like an oppressive religion where you don't have the freedom to To choose choose and to do anything. And my expression, you don't have that. I actually love the concept of a secular state, but the way I envision it being is that everyone practices whatever Whatever they they want want to in their own way. Right. And you are not treated in a different way because you have a different value system of values or different practices, or if you look different or eat different differently. And that is is my my general response. I think it's completely fine to have those perspectives, but understand that your belief systems are very much a product of the environment that you've grown up in. Exactly. And if you think that the West is the perfect example of anti patriarchal values, I mean, I think no. anti patriarchal values. It's very interesting. I mean looking at when women were given the votes and even after that, the way equal pay, the fact that as of October, apparently... There's still a gender pay gap. So, still, I, mean, I don't know not what, what sort of rarely. moral high ground they think they have over women of Muslim faith. But, I mean, have you ever felt that it's been a barrier between you and non-Muslim women or makes you feel unapproachable to others? Yeah, absolutely. And probably the, the biggest group that I feel this way towards is other black women. Really? Okay, who are Who are non-Muslim. Okay. Because sometimes they're like, I know that it's almost like I'm of the same cultural background as you. What about other Jamaican women? Yeah, I'd yeah, say other that... Jamaican women as well. They, they, there's a, a lot of intrigue there, but like, how comes? But why? And it's like sometimes <laughs> I just want to get rid of those questions and just let's just talk about normal things, normal like, things, food or music yeah. or whatever. Right. Um, and so I would say there's one aspect of it being that yes I'm raised in this country so my connection with the Caribbean in general is quite distant it's not as, yeah. as strong as it Have could you been be to the Caribbean? 
once to Jamaica. And, and how old were you? Uh, that was 2014, so... Oh, not quite recently then, okay. <laughs> See how I did that without exposing the age? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I ruined it for you there, sorry. <laughs> it's like, yeah, 2014, that could be, I could be in any age then. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I went in 2014, and it was very insightful, because, like, I, you have int- I had a few interactions, but yes. some with, like, some rustic men who like, you are not, I know you're Muslim. Like, <laughs> you are not, I'm Muslim. <laughs> I love I told it. I they're disconnected. <laughs> like, they don't, they, they know this idea of different faith and values and spiritualities, but, like, how it all intersects is um, very interesting to them. And so the questions are not intrusive. It's just, you know, in, intrigue and, like, yeah, I have just a different spiritual path. Yeah. I'm, yeah, curious about different things. Let me know. And I think that that's very different from what you get in this country it's like even though we are of the same ethnic background i just love to have a discussion or interaction on that basis about jamaican but culture it's, yeah it's almost as if like that's there is that barrier they think, oversight. they think i'm different and it's like, hijab, yeah i'm the same person as you are <laughs> I, yeah, get exactly. I mean there is also that counter argument that people say if it makes you feel isolated you should take it off and a lot of white feminist literary critics say things like oh you should liberate yourself by wearing whatever you want Mm -hmm. there are these naked protesters these Mm -hmm. women protesters all in the name of feminism Uh, I mean what's your interpretation of what it means to feel uh, and to be liberated as not only woman but as a Muslim and as a black woman in modern day Britain Mm, very interesting (laughs) I've really gone for it I think to start off with that define what is feminism what is it yeah um and, and everyone's got their own interpretation everyone's Every got a different person. interpretation yeah and you'll have um orthodox muslim women who will say i'm I a feminist believe, yeah and you have some who will then say i don't believe in feminism yeah. um and you because they feel like it's it's a western construct and so they exactly. can't really relate to it yeah is, is often the the point i get from from a lot of muslim women when i ask them if they if they're feminist they're like oh, mm. i don't i don't believe it's like a dirty word also. Yeah, 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 it's a taboo, isn't it? Yeah. But for me, I am still growing and understanding feminism and trying to find what my perspective is on that. At the moment, I most closely identify with black feminism, which is more about understanding the unique space. Exactly. Intersectionality, the unique space that a black woman holds in society where you actually are distinct or treated in a different way. your questions are multifaceted. You've got different dimensions to Exactly. Not, not just because one. of your race, but because of your gender. gender as well. And cultural differences. And cultural differences. Also social you add, class. Exactly. You add class on top, you add religion on top. <laughs> you have, you've got things. it all, yeah. It's, you it's tick like, all the boxes. Whoa. There's so many different ways that I'm being treated and not for any single individual thing, but an accumulation of all of them together. Um... And so when I'm asked that question about liberation, it's where do we even start from? Where do you even start? There's so many things to be liberated from. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a really difficult question. Mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's almost, it's a privilege to be able to look at someone and tell them that, oh, you, you, because of the way you are, you're not liberated because society works for you. <laughs> And that's what it is. It's the people asking those questions are living in a place of comfort yes, and privilege where society doesn't look down and doesn't treat them differently, where doors open for them. They don't have to break their way through. Yeah, so their experiences are completely are different. Are completely different. And they, they are able to look at other women and say, oh, your you, life isn't as great as mine. You must 
not be liberated. It must be a man. And therefore I must help you. I must be your savior. Exactly. And so I'm very much about if a Muslim woman is being oppressed in any way, either culture or misinterpretations of Islam, I think it's about the Muslim community around her supporting her her to be able to have a voice and to find options and to find ways of her own concept of liberation but that coming from outside where people don't understand people telling you or imposing their views on what liberation should mean it's It's like well no I'm going to make my own interpretation of it yeah what's the difference between you telling someone how they should live their life and another man with different cultural sexism views and a sexist man being like you should do this exactly the same it's the same thing Oh, well, I mean, you personally, I, I feel you've never, I've known you for a long time now, and I, I don't think it's ever been a barrier to you. And how do you, I just want to know how you exude all this confidence. I'm just, you're just, you're just yourself and you like never change <laughs> for anyone or for anything. Um, and you don't let the fact that you wear a hijab, the fact that you're Muslim, the fact that you're black, stop you from doing anything because you treat yourself just like anyone else. And so you should. I mean, if you were to give a message out to particularly, I think, black women, as, as there is a double stigma attached to Muslim women who are black and who want to feel sort of empowered by the hijab, not discriminated, what would you say to them? I think that you say you're like a confident person, but it's, it's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. <laughs> I don't always wake up feeling this way. Right. Sometimes, I said it before, I have extreme imposter syndrome when yeah. I walk into different spaces. I teach yoga. Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if you look at the yoga community, most teachers don't look like me at all. No, they don't. Um, it's dominated by white Western women. Yeah. And in fact, if you think about the UK, actually, and the origins of yoga, you don't find many Indian practitioners no, or any East Asian practitioners. Um, and for black women entering that space, it's it's different. Our, our bodies are different. They're shaped differently. Just you know, being really There's general so many factors. Yeah. Um, and maybe finding clothes or finding postures that fit your body and your movements, or even the music that you play in your yoga. Yes. All these different things are scrutinised and make you feel distant from the community. Even. The price of yoga classes, I mean... Yeah, exactly. It's become a very middle-class <laughs> exercise yeah, activity. Um, yeah. And so being able to take this this practice and translate it in a way that is accessible for... Other people. Black like women you. and Muslim women in particular yes. who see it as being this spiritual practice that they shouldn't engage with, um, I think is a privilege. But yeah, I do have issues with confidence. Of course, I do have struggles with um entering spaces a little bit different but the thing that I always tell myself is that I belong here yeah <laughs> why shouldn't I you're, belong you're here you're a London girl through and through I and I think that's what other people should tell themselves is I belong here I have every right to be here own the space take up the space <laughs> and hold space it. for others yeah yes definitely I think there's definitely a market there for you for uh, I think hijabi women black women when it comes to yoga because they are they definitely do shy away from it mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean my cousin was really into fitness and exercise but she like stopped herself from doing a lot of things because she thought oh it's not accessible for me it's not for people like me I can't go to the gym women stare at me they mm-hmm. you know they think it's weird that I'm wearing a hijab and also working mm-hmm. out they're not familiar with that sort of dynamic so therefore I can't go I'll maybe just go for a jog around the park and it's like you don't want to isolate yourself from 
things that everyone else is, you know, everyone else is doing and they feel so comfortable doing. So I think it's amazing that you're, you're sort of like the epitome of undoing the stigma attached to hijabi women and black women doing whatever the hell they want. So that's really impressive. (laughs) Yeah. But thank you very much for coming onto the show. We really enjoyed talking today. It's been a really interesting discussion, hasn't it? I've learned mm-hmm. so much from you so far. Um, I've learned a lot about you. As have well. you? Oh my goodness! Conversation of ours. Yes. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and until next time, goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Brown Don't Frown podcast. If today's discussion interested you, or you want to share your story, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Brown Don't Frown Podcast and on Twitter at BDF Podcast. You can also reach me on my blog at tanyasweeklydose.com. Join the conversation using the hashtag Brown Don't Frown Podcast. Please like, share and subscribe. Thank you.